Supercoach All-Stars Podcast. This is Barnsley. Back again after round 10, head of round 11, and it's been a couple of weeks, but Billy is back on board for this one. So welcome back, Billy. I hope you had a great holiday for the last couple of weeks away from the podcast. Mate, I've been sitting here cringing, wishing I was on a podcast. <laughs> Have you been going all right the last couple of weeks? Nah, you, nah. Yeah, it was all right, mate. I, um, I was really excited. Good start last week, having being forced to play uh, Luciano, uh, much to my delight, only to be uh, brought back to reality with not having best in Ponner. <laughs> yeah. I had uh, ups and downs with Supercoach are back to stage, so no, I, I had a decent week, but not, nothing, to, nothing, to, nothing to scream scream and shout at, mate. Yeah, it's, um, uh, it was a pretty good week as far as some of the big scores, and certainly the... Games like the the Penrith game really come through, um, and all the big hitters like the you know the Clearies, the Sean Johnsons, and so forth all had pretty good games. Uh, of course, Teddy didn't have the biggest game ever, but you know, high seventies is still pretty good. Did he end up being a straight out captaincy for the week? Nah, I, no, no way in hell. I've been seeing the mere the mere fact that you're having that ninety percent of people, well, not ninety percent of people, but you know. A lot of people straight out captain and it was a no-brainer just to put the VC on because worst case scenario, if, if he if he only chucks it for seventy like he did, it's pretty much a free shot at Cleary. It's not like everyone's got a stack center record yet. So yeah, it's almost like you listened to the podcast last week, mate, because it's exactly the same thing that I said. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> did you, yeah, it, you straight out captain him the week before, but I think that was kind of a. Uh, uh, Pretty obvious one that that team Yeah, I did the week before last. I was a lot happier doing it on the Thursday night game. But last week, um, when I was discussing it with VK, I said pretty much what you said that it's uh, there's a chance. You know, Canberra's not looking that flash. Like we could have won by 20 plus, but there's still a chance that Teddy doesn't have a huge game. And with the other matchups with Cleary on the Sunday, with that type of matchup against that Cowboys side, it just worked out better, I thought, to go against the grain and just VC with all the captainers and, and it helped me out. I moved up a, uh, about 500 spots or something, so I went all right with it. Yeah, good stuff. I think the other thing was the wet. I didn't, uh, being in Brisbane, you are not really sort of privy to the weather unless you actually bother to look. But, um, yeah, kind of the wet, wet weather kind of throws a spanner in the works, particularly for attacking players like us. Yeah, for sure. So the, the rain, I think, um, didn't help matters for anybody. Uh, didn't rain as much as it was supposed to, but let's get stuck into the podcast for this week. A uh, little bit of a format change. like to change up the format a little bit each week. What we're going to do this week is that we're actually going to go straight into the game previews. Uh, and during the game previews, we'll actually go through Market Watch for each game for the players that are relevant in each one. So... We're just going to do things that way, and in that case, first game off the bat is Billy's Eels, so it's almost like <laughs> divine intervention that Billy comes back on the podcast and we've got the Eels versus West Tigers at, at Bank West. What a <laughs> matchup for your Eels, Billy. Local Bill. derby. Yeah, local derby, and last I think last year you put 60 points on the Tigers or something like that, didn't you, in this, this corresponding matchup? 
Oh, the years get a bit blurry as I get older, mate. But yeah, it's usually a 60 point swings around about each way. <laughs> well, for the team changes, first of all, Mitchell Moses is back, which is a, a big inclusion. Jai Field is actually out of the 17, so that's a bit of a blow for those that brought him in a bit earlier to try and make some money. Madison and Fergo are back, huge returns, especially Madison. Uh, Nathan Brown and Sevo had some injuries last week, but they've both been named to start. And for the Tigers side, Cheekham starting for Garner in the back row, uh, and that's the only change. Everybody else is there as per program. So as far as the market watch goes on these two sides, uh, first things first, as far as guns go on the gun watch, Micah Sevo... Uh, didn't have a fantastic outing last week. Subsequently, he is now the eighth most traded out player, just under two and a half percent. A lot of reasons for that, Billy. Uh, at the moment, he's owned by 19% of teams, particularly coming off that 150 point outing. A lot of teams brought him in a couple of weeks ago. Since that, he hasn't really gone fantastic. Um, so he had his 145-point explosion in round eight, and he's gone 39 and 25 the last two. So few people having buyer's remorse and jumping off. The fact is that he's also got 125 BE, sorry, 152 BE. So he's going to leak cash really badly. I've had him all season, as I've said to you before. So I'm actually going to hold strong, uh, and I've actually got a problem where I've Center wing's really the only spot I'm really weak in, and I've got to build that up, so I can't weaken it by taking Sebo out. I do think that he's got a good matchup this week. I do think that he's just as likely to get, you know, a couple of tries against the Tigers, especially if it's a towel up. What do you make on the market side of this as far as the buy or sell of Micah Sebo? Um, I wouldn't be buying him, that's for sure. Um, if you only the whole season, you can probably um, keep. Keep a hold of him, particularly because you've only got a couple of players there. Reason is he's up against Mopo too. He's not exactly a renowned uh, defender. So they're, they're playing at home. Uh, they've got Moses back, which means they'll probably go swing both sides. But um, yeah, look, the, the Tigers and the Eels are generally sort of high-scoring games, mate. He, he's probably going to do exactly the same thing, either 20, 25 or 125. Um, yeah, only thing, only thing I can tell you is there's generally sort of points in the Tigers Eels games. So. Look, if he only scores a 70, you're not going to lose too much coin. So the, the points on offer, um, potential points on offer there, you probably want to hold tight. But pretty much uh, uh, the Eels and the Tigers all over the park. Is, look, looking at the um, points per, per position, those opposing teams, there's no real sort of standout. There's no like one position where you can say, look, uh, the second rowers of the fullbacks score well. They're all pretty much middle of the road. So um, there's no real sort of standouts apart from saying, look, yeah, just to have a stab at sort of um, Sibo versus Nopo, I suppose. Yeah, and I mean, the other thing too is that inside Nofo, Chris Lawrence is starting at centre again. And I made the comment before that game last week that I really didn't think Chris Lawrence was going to get switched to centre because... Yeah, I made the comment on one of our threads that when we were chatting about the game that Chris Lawrence can't even make it as an edge back rower these days because he's just too old and he's he's a lot slower than what he used to be. So I doubt very much they're going to try and put him at centre. Of course they did, and they played him at centre for the game. So Chris Lawrence now, uh, even though he used to be a decent defender, plus Nofo, that's not a good side. Uh, against Jennings and Sevo, I can see them smashing that side as well. So I I would really be trying to hold Sevo. Um, I, I'm not a fan of selling him. With the centre wing spot, and me and you, plus everybody else that's been on here, have all said the same thing, including all the past champions. We've had Bear on say it. We've had Wilfred on say it. We've had VK on say it. Centre wing is a really 
the tough spot and the spot where you can differentiate yourself, but it's also a spot where there isn't really a lot of standouts. Sivo is one of the few guys that you probably could say, you know, I'm going to hold him for the year because I want his 100-point games. So I think it's better off just holding him, especially with some of the other things that are happening. Uh, for this one, I'm, I'm expecting him to at least score one try and to go sort of 70-plus. So yeah. I reckon that's pretty decent. I think set of three quarters probably the position where you can lose uh, a game, uh, lose points rather than win it. So this is probably the one week where you actually want to play, like, uh, play that book and... Um, yeah, mate, just on um, Chris Lawrence, uh, and even at pub once a few years ago, that Dad said, do you reckon he's uh, New South Wales version of Darius Boyd? I mean, he's, he's probably one of the only blokes ever to make the Australian side that can't crack the New South Wales spot the squad. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit like that. I mean, he was, when he was coming through, uh, and to Chris Lawrence's credit, like, I, I was only... I was only hassling Lawrence because of his age and his injuries that he's had. He just isn't anywhere near the player that he used to be, and no one is at his age. But dead set, when he was coming through, he was he was going to be the Australian centre for the next decade. Like he looked really talented, and it was sort of like uh, a little bit of a different player, but kind of like when Gaznia came through, and you just went, "Shit, this guy's pretty good." And you thought that he was going to play for Australia for ages. Then Lawrence just sort of, I think he had like about a three-year window where he was really good. And then he just kept getting injuries and then obviously age caught up with him. But yeah, I think that was it. Like he, he probably would have eventually and then his body just sort of gave in on him a little bit. Yeah, I suppose so. But he's been injured that much. I haven't really seen enough of him to warrant any inclusion in any team. But good luck to him, mate. He's still there. Gutho, another fan favourite of the Eels supporters such as yourself, Billy. He's actually the seventh most traded out player at the moment at around 2.5% as well. He's at a whopping 773,000. It's fair to say that uh, people are just cashing in on him now that brought him in. Um, he's 240 grand above his starting price. He's got 126 BE himself. So I understand this one a lot more, particularly teams that don't have Teddy. Um, using Gutho to get to Teddy is a popular one. Or freeing up cash, you know, using Gutho to go down to a Ponga, you're going to get you know, the best part of 220 grand profit out of that to use somewhere else. So I do actually understand selling Clint Gutherson, but he has been on fine touch lately. Uh, on the weekend, again, he scored 79 points uh, and did very well, and he's now gone 79, 76, 166, and 102. I think that he's going to be scoring 70s again if uh, if it is a bit of a touch-up against the Tigers. So a bit of a hard one, but I can understand why people are jumping off him as well. Yeah, um agree, mate. Probably fair to say that he's either losing or he's going to lose. They're kicking back to Moses as well, again, pretty soon. Um, although he seemed to have been striking him pretty well. Uh, like you said, mate, uh, plenty of people uh, jumped ship from Ponga around, what, three, three or four weeks ago to go to Gutho for this reason. The fact that Ponga's got the dogs this week, and that's probably a 200k, 250k uh, swing. Um, I know what I'll be doing, mate, but the... I reckon Pong can do a lot more damage this week. Uh, not, not to mention the extra 200, 200k you can pocket and, and upgrade elsewhere. So, yeah, I'd be sort of punning him, mate. Yeah, Gutho to Ponga or Teddy um, is a reasonably popular trade and it's one that I'd definitely be doing 100 times over. Uh, people should be definitely looking at that one. On the Tigers' side of things, as far as market watch is concerned, we've got David Nofaluma coming into a fair few teams. Nofo's very, fairly pod territory. He's only a little bit past pod ownership at around the 13% mark. As far as market watch goes, a lot of teams are actually trading him in. He's in the top 10 at the moment on trade-ins. Comes in around number 7 at 2.5% at the moment. And he's been 
very consistent. He's a guy that's been on my radar, Billy, um, for that Warriors game. Uh, and I believe that's next week. And I'm looking at trying to free up the cash for them. He's only 609,000 now. He's just dropped 32k. He's got a break even of 70, so he's probably going to stay reasonably stable on that price point. As far as how he's been performing, he threw up 88 points against the Broncos on the weekend. He looked sensational. He scored a try, had a fantastic try assist as well, where uh, he kicked the ball through. He just does it all, really. Now, in his last three, he's been a little bit less than stellar at 88, 63, and 40. That 40 has meant that he's dropped down probably 70 off what he would have been a couple of weeks ago. So it's a pretty opportune time to buy. We just spoke about why center wing's difficult. Um, I'm looking at next week. He might struggle a little bit more against your reels, but is he in your plans in the next week or two to be getting into your center wing? I've been watching him for a while, but um, yeah, not this week. I just think there's too, uh, there's too many other uh, value things around this week, particularly the problems with a couple of folks being out. You know, so like um, uh, Matto's aid just coming back, Crichton's out, that hurts, Coruscant's out, so that hurts. Um, and you've got, you know, sort of a really good, um, there's really good matchups with um, Munster and John Johnson this weekend. Same, um, same with the, the fullbacks. So there's, um, um, I think there's plenty more juicy options around for people people to be worried about. Um, no throw this week, uh, particularly in the centre three quarters. You've still got a bloke like uh, you know Ikevalu who's got you know, negative 57 break even and uh, punching a base of 40 in runs. So a bloke, a bloke like a bloke like that um, can can easily sort of you know. Get, get, you some, get you some quick cash, even a bloke like Best, like, like he played last week. I mean, when's the last time you could find a bloke averaging 67 under sort of, you know, 400k um, available? You know, you don't really sort of want. So plenty, plenty options around to hold Murphy for a week, mate. Yeah, he's not going to change much in price. Uh, as far as players, players of interest go in this one that aren't in the top 10 most traded in or traded out, uh, the return of Mitchell Moses is going to make a huge difference. Now, I actually still have Moses because I just I had too many other problems cropping up the last couple of weeks where I haven't been able to sell him, and it's worked out really well that he's returning. I'm going to hold even though he's got 120 odd BE. I expect him to have a pretty good outing. He's someone Billy that people will probably be targeting in the next two weeks. So 120 BE, you know, he could be sub 400 by next week. Do you think that jumping on Moses for the value in the next couple of weeks is is going to be a wise decision, or do you think I'm also wrong that he might not go well this week? Oh, he might go well this week, but I actually saw that comment from someone earlier earlier today saying they can't wait to get Moses in. I mean, I'm a Eels fan. I have no idea what the appeal with Moses is. He just doesn't have a doesn't have a passing game. He's still got a floor of you know 25, 30, and he's going to hit that from time to time. So. The, the only reason he was he was appealing to start the season was because of his price and because of his draw. I wouldn't be jumping on him at all, mate. Not, not until he's um, not until he's showing some consistency, has soft as hell draw, and has got that kicking back. Because I'd be definitely afraid of those thirty fives and the hundred thirty fives. Yeah, I, I'd be really surprised if he doesn't have the kicking back immediately, um, and that's what I'm banking on. Um, I, I'm going to be playing him for sure, and if I didn't own him um, in the next week or two. I'd probably be focusing on um, on throwing him in it, just as a reserve halfback option to to alternate with Cleary and a play together as a reserve. He against the Tigers, and if you want to know why, you know people are talking about wanting to get him straight in their side. Two games at Bankwest Stadium last year against the Tigers. The first game he scored 133 points. The second game towards the end of the season he scored 86. So that's a pretty decent shot at the Tigers last year at Bankwest Stadium in two corresponding games. 
his highest score last year was against the Tigers with that 133. So you want to know why people like me want to get him in, Billy? It's because we want that 133 if he's going to throw it up there. Yeah, I reckon Johnson's just probably just has a much better draw for that, that backup, that's all. But he's a 5'8 um, as well, remember? Yeah, but... You've got um, you got Munster with the, with the shot percent draw at five eight two, so I reckon those. Uh, if anything, Moses Moses would be fourth, but he do, he does have sort of that on his next swing. He's probably like a hot and cold option where you can play him and you wouldn't want to touch him. So yeah, I'm staying clear of him. I, I would I would only speculate maybe next week versus the Dogs, but I don't want to get it like, like that for a one week cameo. All right, well, fair enough, mate. Is there any other guys um, in this side that you're interested in either buying or watching this week? I love the output that Junior Paul has got at the moment, but um, the the hamstring, I think the fact that he doesn't score massive tons is the reason why he's kind of going under the radar a little bit, like he's just consistently sitting in the 70s. But given this point in the season, you probably want someone a little bit more highly volatile that's going to make up the ladder. A bloke punching the 70s as opposed to 65s isn't going to push it on too much, so... He'd be anyone I'd be sort of considering with it with the eels. If you owned um, uh, Fat Lilia, probably Chilton, the one that plays on the left. Luciano. <laughs> I, I, I'd, yeah, I would probably play Luciano this week. I think the um, I was really impressed with that Walkers kid, just the way he sort of um, m- uh, moved around the park. Probably uh, it just, just makes that left side look a lot more energetic. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the did he go into hooker for a little bit? His tackle count seemed pretty high for a, for a five eight. Uh, I think that he did. Um, I'm pretty sure that he did because uh, yeah, Grant's ta- definitely he, not playing he, eighty. Yeah, because his tackle count was around sort of forty. So if you really struggle for a smoky this week, I wouldn't be too concerned about playing young Walters if you got him. I reckon he's probably you know, a half decent smoky for a half decent score. That's a fair call. I, I'm definitely on the Luciano train. I, I played Luciano last week and I was actually elated at his 135 points. I was cheering him on like I've never cheered on a player before. Um, he's he's actually an interesting one because he's not in the top 10 uh, you know, most trade dinner or anything, but a few astute coaches have actually said that they're going to buy him as a downgrade. Um, so things like, you know, to free up money and Angus to a Luciano downgrade and so forth. And the reason being, and I, I kind of do follow the thinking, Luciano just quietly now has a minus 19 BE with that 135 points in his rolling, uh, and he's only 473k. So that type of trade can make you, you know, 180 grand to free up for elsewhere, and you're going to make some money out of Lucy in the short term. He's got power this week, but then the, the week after he's got the New Zealand Warriors, which he could attack those edges and get another pie, and sort of then it's on for more points as well and more money. So I, I kind of understand that one a little bit. It makes a little bit of sense. Yeah, um, look, he, he was playing on on the left side of the field, and five eights. Just look at the numbers. Five eights versus power have a zero point five seven um, ppm average, so it's pretty much the worst in the league. The, the numbers pretty much say do not feel like you start a five eight versus eels, but mate, I know the eels and um, that Walters kid look pretty good, and the fact that he's moving through the middle, getting a few tackles. It, I reckon he kind of busted trend a bit. I reckon him and him and um, him, uh, him and um, Lily are probably worth a part this week. Um, so particularly, um, so no, number one scored two tries last week. He seems to score sort of fifty fifty five now. The week before, I think he was on fifth. He was on fifty fifty one before he got um, before he got injured. Or he came off what in the 
uh, HIA, what, 10 minutes or 15 minutes before the end. Um, so th- th- there's signs of life being. So you, I think you have to take some of like, the lower scores with, with a grain of salt. He has been lazy, but I think I think you might be sort of seeing a bit of a, bit of a turn in terms of retired points-wise with Luciano. Yeah, I've been waiting for this type of run for him, and he is a bit of a confidence player, so I agree with that for sure. Let's talk about vice-captaincy and captaincy options. Going into those, I think the first person we need to talk about is Madison. Now, it is the first game, which is um, a little bit annoying. Then again, it's hard to, to captain anyone over Tedesco these days. So, Madison's coming up against the Tigers after he spurned them last year. There's been a lot of media coverage on, on all of that stuff. I expect him to fire up for sure. Uh, and I do think that the Tigers are very susceptible for him going, going over and scoring a try on that edge, which, you know, when he does, he's kind of 90s, but if he gets some other clutch attack as well, he'll, he'll go up to 120-odd very quickly and become a bit of a loop option, potentially. Uh, uh, Tedesco's the fourth game of this of this round, so if you're captaining Tedesco, it doesn't have to be in the first three. To me, probably some of these eels look pretty appealing for that. It's probably going to be harder for a, a VC game out of Madison, but I do think that he'll go well. Um, probably the high upside, low chance play for me is going to be a VC on Sebo uh, or or Moses. I don't expect either to go massive, but just on the off chance because both of them can hit that big ton pretty easily. If it's a big Eels win, Billy, then I, I sort of think I'll just take a swing on those because I need to do the C on Tedesco in the fourth game anyway. Yeah, I'm with you, mate. I wouldn't be bothering VC uh, on Meadow. Even if you score a try, you're only going to get sort of 100 out of him. That's nowhere near high enough. I think the only person that kind of can go high enough is probably Moses or Sivo, but I'd be banking on, on probably Sivo. Um, Sivo up against no Nofo rather than Moses coming back. Yeah, and it might be one of those Sivo, you know, hat-trick sort of games where he gets his 120 points, three tries type of thing. Tears it up like he did a few weeks ago. So I'm probably going to lean that way myself. What do you think is going to happen in this one? Do you do you see your boys going over for a big victory, or you reckon it'll be a bit tighter? Tigers have been in pretty decent form. Uh, Tigers have been playing well. They're playing with confidence. I think um, the way the coaches restructured that team, like uh, they've got rid of um, Brooks. So the, the Benji, 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 and Walters just seem to be doing what seems to be working well. Like Benji's sort of um, experience playing with a bit of confidence off the back of last week. Alton's off confidence, um, Grant. He, he's obviously on fire, so mate, it's just a different spine. I think, I think Tigers will be playing with a lot more confidence, and I don't want to mess with them. I think it'll just be a really good game. Yeah, I do too. I'm going to play everybody that I own in both these sides. I think it's a really good Thursday night game. Uh, the Friday night games, we've got the Cowboys versus Eagles as the first one. This one isn't quite as good quality. Um, this Cowboys side has ended up with no new faces, so it's exactly the same side um, with the Sea Eagles. They normally have very minimal changes. The good news is that Fanua Blake's going to get to play um, because he's been cleared for Queensland travel after taking his flu jab finally, so that's all done, so he'll get to return for the Sea Eagles. Pretty much the same as what it has been. As far as market watch goes, these two teams have got very little happening on them. The one that is getting some attention, though, is on the cheapy perspective... We have the number six for the Cowboys, Arcee. Now, Arcee is coming in at 5% traded in at the moment, the third most traded in guy. He's a centre wing, um, but he's obviously a downgrade for a lot of people that are just looking to, to get some cash freed up for another move because he has only played the one game. He scored 51 points. 
that was a it was a pretty good outing for him for a debut with the 51. Um, he did get some clutch in that one though. I would not be wanting to do this at the moment. I haven't seen any time frames on Michael Morgan being updated, but I think that it's only a couple of weeks away. Uh, and when that happens, if he's gone, um, then you know you're not even going to get one cash rise, or maybe you'll get one cash rise out of him. I'd, I'd just as sooner get enough myself, Billy, if I needed to do something like this. Yeah, look, if you really wanted to uh, announce, you could easily just go to Rabbit's Cube. He's played one game. Um, seemed to have sort of 25, 26 points in the ups and one sort of try. It's just no line break for a 46, so he might be a better option. Someone that you know is actually going to stay there and increase in cash. Yeah, I, I'm not a big fan of this one. Like some of the early trade-ins, you know, if you're going to do an early trade-in to me, you'd prefer to do it the second game, not not after the first. After this, and aside from that, you'd want to do it with someone who's got a fair bit of job security, and I'm not sure that RC actually does. Um, other other players of interest in this one, mate. Now we've spoken about to power before. He got down to rock bottom dollar around the 400k mark. Quite a few people jumped on him. I'm just going to give you a bit of a shout out now. You've spoken about your eel stat many times about uh, middle forward scoring on the eels, and to power went over. Last week as a middle forward scoring his first try of the season, I think, against the Eels and scored 90 points. So there you go. Your, your stat came true again. At 67 to 1. You should have put some money on it, mate. What, what were you doing? I did. And five bucks on it. Oh, beautiful. Right. Sports bet shout out comes early in this podcast. <laughs> get, on, get on him again this week. Go for the <laughs> 67 to 1. Um, he was actually one of a couple of first try scorers with props. Um, Hamlin Ueli got through at 60, 60 to 1. Or something like that for the Sharkies as well. Yeah, you know money on that one. I ran out of my five bucks. <laughs> <laughs> I put them on everywhere. This isn't a particularly exciting game. Is there any players that stick out of interest for potential trade-ins this week or next for you? Honestly, no. The only thing that kind of interests me in this game is the fact that, uh, you know, uh, the, the Hammer isn't playing a top four team, so he might actually get a chance at, you know, sort of, uh, producing some clutch. So, if you, if you absolutely had to play, like maybe I will, um, there's less of a concern of him scoring the 2012 and 15, which would be a, a significant plus. So, um, <laughs> that's the only point of interest for me in this game, I suppose. He did score a try last week, the Hammer, uh, and he, he got 65 points for that effort. Uh, and they are playing this one up at North Queensland, too, against Manly. Yes. So not a bad shout that he might actually be a startable guy in the centre wing. Yeah, that just goes to how rubbish he is, mate. But... That um, I think he scored like 42 points from from that one run, but it was insane. Uh, he might be the new Ben Barber from the early days. That's what Benny Barber used to do for us. He still scored some tons, though. Oh, yeah, it's only about it. But, yeah, you don't want to bank on that happening because otherwise you're stuck with the 15. And See, see that's, that's the conundrum. Like, like you were saying before, you know, it's... Um, you sent us record it is the classic place where you can sort of catch up. So just as an example was I spent before I jumped on this podcast with you, I spent an hour sort of going, figuring out, all right, so how can I get cook out? What, what, what do I do if I get cook? What do I do if I get um um Smithy? And it, it, it ended up working out. But all of a sudden by move by getting those two players I had to move year up in the second row and all of a sudden I found myself having to start, you know, um the hammer and, you know, Oh, someone else got the likes of James Robertson or Newey or something or other. And, mate, if one of those guys goes 15, 20 points that can, and, and Bess, you know, for example, goes 60, 70, that 30, 40-point swing completely negates any kind of ton that Smithy or Cook does. So, 
be more concerned around the difference between who you have to start, who you don't start, rather than who you upgrade to. 100%, mate. Uh, another guy that I'm just going to throw out there, so we've got someone to talk about from this game. To be fair to both teams, there isn't a huge amount of options this week for them. But someone that I did have a look at, and this is an extreme pod, uh, so it's definitely a big balls pod. Uh, we've chatted about him a little bit before, off and on, and that's Curtis Siren. And the only reason I'm bringing him up is because he's he's only 492k, so there's very few sort of second row forward options that are sub 500 that can actually get you some uh, decent scores that they can string together. Um, some of Manly's opposition's pretty interesting coming up. They do have to win the games. He's coming up against a Cowboys edge that's very, very susceptible. So he, he could very well go over for a line break try, if not get a heap of offloads this week. Kickout just did it on the weekend, even though um, he didn't get a lot of ball. Um, he still managed to put up um, some good clutch attack and base attack numbers. Coming up against the Cows, he's then got Penrith and then he's got the Warriors. So two out of the next three are pretty decent. He does have an 89 BE though. So the other thought with uh, Curtis is I'm going to wait a month and if he's around that 450k mark, I'm actually going to target him maybe as a reserve um, second row forward to swing in for the final month of the season. So the final month of the season, Manly hits the Tigers, the Bulldogs, the Titans and the Warriors to finish off their year. Probably one of the best final months of the season out of any team. Uh, and all those sides are very susceptible on their edges. So Curtis just is a, a a bit of a extreme pod, big balls pod shout out. Um, I think that he's, he's worth mentioning. He's strung some good stuff together before. And if I get desperate and at that price point of around 450, I, I might throw him in there at some point. Actually, a pretty good shout. I just went and had a quick look at the numbers while you were talking. And yeah, uh, Edgies versus Cowboys have a 0.92 ppm, which is the second highest behind the Bulldogs. Yeah, that's an average of 73.6 for all Edgies versus uh, Cowboys. So, a player of his caliber, you would think he's on the up echelon of that. So, you're probably looking at, you know, above that based on numbers only, of course, <laughs> but one game anomalies. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, he, he does put up a big game every month, basically, even regardless of opposition. So he is someone that's going to put up those that big score every now and then. And obviously, Manly needs to win. Um, as far as VC and C options, um, now, Jason Tomalolo is a pretty common one. But I will just say, with Tomalolo at the moment, I don't think that he's a straight-out C option anymore, uh, particularly with all the other ones that you've got no, options to do. He's, have you noticed how much he's dropped down, though? Like, I mean, he's he's gone 60, 65, and 74 in his last three, and that's fine. 60 and 65 in his last two is pretty below his price point, though, and it's why he's got 106 BE at the moment, and he's only 630-odd K. He hasn't been himself um, as far as his scoring goes. Do you see him picking it back up, or are you a bit maybe worried that because the Cowboys, you know, have gotten rid of Paul Green and are sort of on the downward spiral, maybe they'll go a bit easy on him? I mean, we haven't seen... His minutes go too high the last two weeks either, 64 and 59 minutes, whereas, you know, a couple of, a few weeks ago he was at 70 and 72. I'm not sure whether to be concerned or not yet, but his, his, pro, his points haven't been where they need to be for captaincy material, that's for sure. Yeah, no one knew it. Yeah, mate, he did the same thing last year, like in, uh, up, up from, from round one up until sort of round sort of, uh, 18, um, the yeah, average sort of eight, uh, 88.9. Um, a lot that was, that was even higher, and in, 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 that was even higher uh, pre pre Origin one. It was 97 pre Origin. So 97 pre Origin, then it dropped to sort of uh, 
so mid mid eighties and then died died off the edge of the year. So finished the year with the sixty two, sixty five, fifty five, one oh three, sixty seven, fifty two. So his his minutes uh his minutes kinda of came down a little bit. maybe he was managed towards the end of the season. Um so yeah, he he's pretty consistent with what he was doing last year, but definitely not the BC option because he doesn't go high enough. Um probably not a guy that you want to sell at the moment, given what limited options are there. But I tell you what, if he if you wanted to take a point move, you could use the coin to upgrade elsewhere. But it's not the worst to have a guy that's scoring sixty, sixty-five on a really, really rubbish day, is it? It's not. Um, I'll I'll share a little um, dirty secret and say that I actually did it um, a little while back, and I'm being pretty okay with it. Um, I'm planning on buying him back in about two weeks' time. Uh, at which point I'll pay sub 600 for him and just take his sort of solid 65s. So I, it, it's worked out for me, but it was a bit of a risk. Fair enough. If you saw a bloke like that, so get yourself like a bloke like, I don't know, just Teddy, for, for example, or Munster, and with, with a decent draw, it probably works out, but you'd want to make sure you get the right bloke for it, or, or at least split the cash into two decent options. Yeah, I think when you do those type of moves, you have to hit and you have to hit big, and you have to hit someone that's going to give you big points. I, I don't even like splitting it to give me okay scores across a couple. Um, but I, I did. I ended up. I got in Angus Crichton right for his run, um, so that worked out gold for me. And now I'm obviously <laughs> got, got an injured Angus, so it's not as good now, but it was pretty good for that uh, five weeks out of footy. Um, I will just, when we're looking at predictions for this game, for VCs and C options... If the Cowboys don't turn up and Manly runs a bit of a riot over them, um, DCE could have a big one. We spoke about him a couple of weeks ago with Bear on this podcast, who endorsed him as a bit of a, a smoky because he was sub... I think he was oh, not just sub 500. He was 450k at the time when we were talking about it. He's now 530k, but he's gone 86, 53, 99 and 59 the last month of football. Uh, he's had those couple of bigger scores in him. Um, he could definitely go ballistic if they towel up the Cowboys a little bit. He's just a bit of a smoky one, though, if you did own him or if you were looking for a, a complete pod halfback. I still think that he's a, a decent go for points this week, especially. Yeah, I just couldn't go, I just couldn't go for him um, unless he was kind of kicking goals. And he's got this, he, he's a bit hit and miss too. So he's got obviously got um, Cowboys this week, which he'll sort of you'd think he'd go well, but then he's got Pendleton next week. Um, Warriors week after, and it's got Knights and Knights, Rabbits and Storm. So not not exactly the the, uh, the nicest draw in the world for him. I, I, w- I would pass on him given all the other options available. Sort of five eight though. Yeah, I use it half, but yeah, I mean I'd rather pay a hundred less for for Mitchell Moses next week um, or something like that. But there is some owners out there, and if you've got him, um, I wouldn't begrudge him doing a VC. On Daily Cherry Evans, just on the off chance he gets his try and a heap of assists. Uh, how do you see this one going, mate? Because I've got to tell you, I've got very, very few ideas about this game. It's going to be one of the few that I don't bet anything on on Sportsbet this week. Oh, mate, if you're a betting man, and <laughs> I am, you'd probably, you'd probably just do something stupid in this game and do like, you know, 10 bucks on draw, draw at half time and mainly to win, you know, sort of about 12 bucks or something or other into a try scorer, maybe. Just try, just try some silly exotic. No, sounds good enough to me. I'll roll with your prediction on that one. Um, Broncos versus Storm. Next game up. Katoni Staggs is back. Uh, if anybody's held him, you finally got him back. I know VK, shout out to you from last week, saying that you kept holding him, thinking he was back, so now you got him. 
Um, Herbie Farnworth is back uh, from injury, so Kenna and Asako are out of the side. Penguin moves back to his edge spot, which is good, with Oates obviously ruled out, um, thankfully only for a few weeks and not the season. Corey Pack starts at hooker, uh, Flegler starting at prop, Tio to the bench. And for the Storm, there's no changes from last week's win, um, but we do have Vinavalu on the extended bench, so he could come in. Just on the Broncos, first of all, Billy, obviously there are shambles and everybody knows that. You know, I'm... I kind of half defend it sometimes um, early on, but at this point, like, Seabold has said that he's going to change his side for about six weeks straight, and he hasn't... He, all he's done this week is drop Paul New from fullback, who's a, a rookie fullback. The only other thing that he's done is drop rookie wingers. Everybody else, like, is just shuffling deck chairs, which I said on Twitter. You know, he's just moved Anthony Milford from the halves to fullback. Brady Croft from seven to six, um, and just shuffling guys around. And Darius Boyd gets shuffled nowhere and still at centre. Like, I honestly don't know what they think they're doing this week, but against the Storm, uh, they're just uh, moving a few guys that are out of form, out of position. I don't think it's going to be the answer. <laughs> um, Milford's too good a player to drop, but he's done absolutely nothing at 5'8", so you can't leave him there. But I can see why he's moved the fullback, but does he even have the match fitness to actually run like he used to there? I, I, I don't know. Um, I think Millie actually has some attacking potential. He just seems like one of the few backs that actually seems to be putting in and, and, and coming in for a few extra runs. If anything, I would have, I would have, I would have at least still given him a bit of a chance to chuck him on the left wing or something or other just, just to keep him in the game. Um, I think he's pretty quick. He's got a good step. I know, I know he's trying some things, mate, but I think he needs to do more than what he's done. Oh, for sure. The whole bloody team needs to do more than what they've done. But look, uh, I, I wouldn't play any backs from Brisbane in this game at all. Um, the only the only guys that I'd actually play in this game are Payne Haas and Patrick Carrigan. And we, we should give Patrick Carrigan a shout out because I'll tell you what, a month ago he was on my chopping block and I just ended up with other things to do. And the last three weeks since his return, he's gone 75, 81 and 72. And in that time, he's played 64, 80, and 74 points, all of which are season highs. Though all of those three-week minutes outings were higher than anything he's done in the first six weeks of the season. So his minutes are gone through the roof at lock. His points are gone through the roof. And he he's looking like you can just keep him now. Uh, he's putting up really good numbers for a front-row forward as well, being that dual position. So him and Haas are probably the only guys I'd want to play in this. And to be honest... If I own Pangai Jr., despite the fact that he's been in decent form and probably gets 80 minutes on this edge this week, against the Storm, I'd I'd be a bit worried about about playing him as well, even though I'd probably have to. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Mate, I told you, I told you Carrigan was a lot better ball player. Four minutes will be sweet. But um, I um, was kind of happy you just get the sort of 55 minutes and just start getting a few short balls away. But the mere fact that he's getting more minutes is just um, music to be used, mate. He'll just keep getting better. I reckon, I reckon he's averaged he's lived seven, no, six or seven points between now and the end of the year. Pengai Jr. is probably um, much better served on the edge. Well, he did score a try at the front low forward, but I much prefer a bloke like that actually being on a path for longer on the edge. So, um, and, and as we said, rejoicing there. Um, yeah, mate, Haas is just a machine. But they, they took um, 
uh, took his minutes and then it's down the last sort of three or four weeks. So he's been he's been dropped fifteen to seven minutes, which obviously means he drops fifteen to seven of his output. But for a bloke to have his minutes cut and not not have any sort of clutch and still come out with a score like he did last week. Yeah, that he's been a little disappointing considering how you know, he was doing eighty so so much easier during the start of the season, but he's still an easy play every single week. Um, on the Storm side of things, they actually do have a couple of guys on market watch, and they've actually got the number one most traded in player and the number four most traded in player at the moment for the week. The number one most traded in player is Cameron Smith. So he's got 11.1% of coaches currently trading him in. He's, he only had a 13% ownership, so he's he's going to go well outside of pod territory by the time this round's done. Uh, he's only got a BE of 39. He's 656k. He's coming off some big scores, so I understand it. 136 against the Gold Coast Titans, 63, 54, and 90 round out his month of football. He's got two big tons this year so far at 115, 136. Obviously, the Broncos are pretty poor opposition. If you want to own Cam Smith, now's going to be the time to do it because he's got that uh, pretty lowish BE and going to be even more next week. And obviously, some people need to cash out a hooker like Appy or, or maybe some are even thinking about Harry Grant. I guess I'll put to you, Billy, uh, if you're, if you don't have Appy, I mean, Appy to Cameron Smith is obviously a trade that you can do pretty easily, but if you don't have Appy, would, is Grant to Cameron Smith one that you'd start considering this week, considering the opposition and how Smith's been going? Uh, no, I'd be going, uh, I'd be keeping Grant for starters, given the way he's been going. Um, you've got you to remember, he, he only scored, what, 138, whatever, whatever it was. Last week versus the Titans, um, I know I know it's the Broncos, mate, but it's still it's it's, it's still in Brisbane, and he's not going to score 130, uh, 120 each week. Um, he's been averaging I think 80.8 the last five weeks, uh, whereas uh, what do you call it? Um, Cook's been averaging 96. So if you're going to upgrade, I'd be I'd be going straight to Cook, mate. You wouldn't even bother with Smith. I reckon he's got a good week this week in him, but he's got the Knights next week. Then he's got the Dogs the week after. So then he's got the, um, the Roosters coming out too. So I would have to think about what you're expecting average-wise over three to four weeks rather than just this week when you make that purchase. Yeah, I, I'm a little bit on the fence about it as well. I, I think it's a good trade-in. So I think if, if your heart's set on Cameron Smith, you're going to get good points this week, and I understand anybody doing it. Well, at the same time, I kind of understand where you're coming from because I, I, I had to ask myself the question, who do I want my hookers to be? And who's actually going to be attainable? Like, I can say that I want Cameron Smith and Damian Cook as my two hookers, but the reality is, at least in the next five weeks, I'm just not going to be able to make that happen um, with the money that I'm going to need and the other things that I've got to fix up in my side. So I probably really have to choose one, and then later in the season, if I can get the other, then you know go grab the other. I'd actually rather Damien Cook myself as well, like you said. So I think it's a preference thing, um, but I think most teams, many have got Grant and Appy, and I don't think it's going to be feasible um, for teams to be well-built enough everywhere else and to not have any injuries or issues to be able to get Smith and Cook in reasonably quick. I think that you need to sort of prioritise one of them. And for me, it's Cook. If other people like Cam, well, I understand he probably goes ballistic this week. Yeah, you've got to remember, uh, Cook's the one guy who went, what, 800 or 850k last year, like, like the, uh, the pre, the pre rule change is one million dollar inflated price tag, and everyone was going, how the hell did he get that? That's cool. He's just a machine, like, he's scoring hundreds of will beginning of the season, but 
had those two really low scores at the start of the season, made real changes. The guy's been as consistent as hell since then. He's deceived that before, or sort of 70, um, pretty much. Um, I know he's got the Raiders this week, but then he's then he's got the uh, the, the, the uh, then he's got the Dragons, then he's got the Broncos himself, then he's got the the, the Cowboys, and he's back at home against Manly. So uh, he's the one with what a twenty or a twenty-two break even. I just feel, although Cam Smith is probably the one player you would probably want this week, I think uh, if Cook has a half decent week this week, he's he can look at a Teddy Teddy territory. So I think he's going to be severely out of reach for a lot of people coming to those days where you really want to own him. Yeah, it looks like Cameron Smith is going to be more heavily owned than what um, Damien Cook is going to be in the next fortnight, that's for sure. Cameron Munster's the fourth most traded in. Uh, he's got a B of 86, costing 630k, but he's coming off a great performance against the Gold Coast Titans of 91 points um, in his first game back since he went down in round seven at halftime versus the Warriors. I traded him in for round seven against the Warriors and was filthy and just traded him straight back out. Um, so I'm I'm a little bit dirty on Munster Pilly because he's done this to me three times in a row for three out of the last four years or something where he's gotten hurt when I've traded him in. So I I can't fathom putting him in at the moment. Um, I've got SJ at 5.8 and that's fine for me right now. But he's he is a really good purchase for this week. Uh, he's... He's another VC option in this game, uh, and I do understand why people are grabbing him because he could tear up the Broncos with how they've been playing. Their defence has been awful, and Munster is just a sort of attacking player that can go 130 against the Bronx this week. Yeah, yeah, he's always a 40 or 140 type bloke. Um, yeah, I grabbed him last week for that reason. Um, bit disappointed with the score. I thought he was going to be a lot bigger than that, you know, given the start that he had. But, um, disappointed with 91. <laughs> Come on, ninety-one. <laughs> Mate, I wanted a lot more. I wanted a lot more. <laughs> um, you're just getting greedy. <laughs> oh yeah, I was. Uh, I, I was guilty that game because I, I, I held on to Pappy, thinking, all right, so he scored 108 and then or 122 or something like that in his two games versus the Titans last year. It absolutely depleted. Here we go. First game. First five minutes, breakaway right inside. Happy's down the outside. Sorry, Happy's um, down the outside. Nah, don't look outside. Get tackled. I'm like, all right, here we go. That's the moment of the game. Sure as hell. <laughs> he's in support every single play. Get the ball away to him. Nah, 33. I mean, he's, believe it. The, the Pap's somebody who a lot of people held last week because they thought, obviously, against the Titans that he was going to come good and then they could sell him in the next week or two. Um, he's... Uh, number nine and the most traded out players at the moment. And it, obviously he's got a, a good Broncos opposition where Broncos do give up points to fullbacks. And again, he's got the type of game that could carve them up because so of the defense. Titans, apparently. Yeah, well, that's right. Um, and he didn't go that well against the Titans. But the Broncos, he does shape up as going pretty well against them. But with the way that he's played this year... Realistically, he's only scored well twice. So, you know, I actually made the comment to a couple of people. I had, I probably had three people last week ask me on, on, um, direct messages on Twitter and also on Facebook to say, hey, what should I do? Um, I want to hold Pappy for another week and maybe get, you know, um, Teddy or get, or get someone else, you know, the week after, blah, blah, blah. And I sort of, I said with all of them that I wouldn't let Pappenhausen, even though he's got a good, 
a good draw against the Titans get in the way of making the trades that you want to make? Like, if you need to get Teddy this week, get Teddy, because Pat's been so inconsistent, he's just as likely to, to throw up a, a 35 or 40-point effort. I, I wasn't too far off the mark with that one, so I really don't know whether he's going to go any good this week. He's got a 54 BE. I, I think that he's well past the point where you just got to neck him and get one of those better fullbacks. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to hold him another week because I'm, I'm, I'm that far behind. I need, I need to make up some ground. I, I need to sort of get back in the top 1,000. Um, and the only way to do that is by having the people that the players at top 1,000 don't have and the zero people in the top 100 that have Pappy. So I, uh, I'm, I'm going to use him, mate. Um, if, if you're going to catch up to the leaders, you need someone who, who can turn up that they don't have. And he's one of the very, very few. Um, in, in that realm, so I'm going to stick with him this week. Yeah, but I'm sure none of them have got Kerrit Holland. It doesn't mean that you would put Kerrit Holland in your team. Like they, You've got to put someone good in that they don't have. Pappenhausen's been rubbish. Oh, but he's, he's always there about. Like, yeah, I'm just going to give him another week. Yeah, 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 he had a massive ton um, a couple of weeks ago. Um, came, came, back to, came back to reality, had no really score. Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to He's going to stick with him another week, mate. If he doesn't score, he's got a half-decent break even this week. My only concern is that, you know, sort of uh, Ponga versus the Dogs is more than likely to go sort of that big, but I don't want to go to a bloke that's pretty much only scored one loop of score in the last two years. I'd much rather stick with the, stick with the, the, the pod, the bloke that I need to go big anyway. Mate, in, in round 19... On your super coach gravestone is going to be engraved. I'm just going to stick with Pappy another week. That's going to be your motto for this season, I reckon. Live or die by the Pap. <laughs> well, mate, I did make a call beginning the season that I thought he would be the, the top three players for the uh, the whole year. So stand by my word. I'll give him another chance. If he doesn't do it this week, I'll neck him. But um, yeah, look, he had a go against. If he can't get one decent score versus the Titans or versus the Pleasant Warriors, then, um, mate, sorry, um, uh, no, the Pleasant Broncos, mate, he doesn't deserve to be in the team. I've got to give him one more. All right, well, up to you. Um, I think that uh, Pappenhausen to Ponga is a dynamite trade. It's a straight swap, pretty much. I'd be doing that 10 times out of 10. Um, Ponga himself isn't that highly owned, but we'll get to him soon. Uh, Munster's my big prediction for this one. V, I'd, I'd be VCing him for sure. Uh, I think that he's the easy choice over Cam Smith. I think he's got the chance to go 120, 130 points. And I reckon that the Storm will win by 24 plus. Um, I would be actually be, um, if I owned Cam Smith, I would be VCing him over, over, um, Munster. I just, I just think, uh, the way the Broncos have been Having 40 or 50 points put on him, Smith can probably chunk, you know, 30, 30 points in goals on him, add his 50, add his, you know, 50 tackles. It's only going to take him the one, one try assist to be in a decent ton, ton territory. So, um, probably one of the very, very few games I would actually recommend Smithy as a DC. Um, if you're trying to make up ground, I would actually recommend Pappy. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Munster's a solid option to any, any one of those three. Probably in that order. Well, Warriors versus Roosters is the next one. Um, and this one, 
We've got a few changes for the Warriors um, that aren't too super coach relevant. A couple that are. Jazz Tavaga's starting at lock with Heatherington moving to prop. So Tavaga's going to be a bit of a watch. He, he's been a gun in the past, um, playing that lock role when he's been healthy. Uh, along with that, we've got a few players playing their last game before they're going to be returning home. So Ignatius Parsi, Fisitura and Mamalo will all be going after this game back to New Zealand. So whether that means that they, you know, fire up for it and put in a great performance or the opposite, we, we won't know until the day. The Roosters have got Angus Crichton out, which we all know about. Um, Orbison's actually named a start in the back row and Butch is returning on the bench from his ribs. And uh, Brett Morris has been cleared of a jaw injury. So probably with the Roosters first, Billy, because they've got the m- most relevant players in this one. Um, with... Uh, First of all, I got absolutely killed last week by Angus Crichton going down because he's still been reasonably pottish, um, so that was a bit sad. He's looking like that he's going to miss a few weeks, so I'm going to be selling him. Um, you don't own Angus, do you? Yeah, yeah, I bought Angus a couple of weeks ago. So being someone that only bought him a couple of weeks ago, are you are you trying to battle with holding him for a, a week or two to see what happens, or you're just punting him straight away this week? Nah, mate, I'm into the trade. Fucking stupid to keep him. Um, just buying back straight away. Like, team is pretty much full strength already, and I've still got 18 trades left. Just use them. Um, yeah, just disappointing because he was he was looking good last week too. Like he, the week before he, he had uh, I can't remember what, what it was, but he had a, a pretty decent score with um, those clutch attack. Really, um, they were going to him consistently. I, I was concerned that he was on the left side, not the right. But I will tell you what, he just seemed to get more ball down there. Um, and last week. Same deal. He was on. Um, he was on 51 points when he came off injured. That was about 20 minutes to go. Anyone on on, 50, on 51 points with 20 minutes to go, mate. Prior to upgrades, you you'd be pretty you'd be pretty pretty stoked. But yeah, disappointing super coach was, mate. That's for sure. Yeah, it definitely was. Um, just one thing with this lineup as well. I, I've had a few people uh, mention Mitch Orbison as well. Basically, Mitch Orbison should never be a buy anymore. I don't think, but he is very cheap. There's just he doesn't score that well uh, even starting and there's a lot of issues. I don't think that he's an 80 minute player anymore. But there's there's every chance with this one that Robbo pulls a swifty, which he does pretty often. Um, someone like Nat Butcher was starting at 13 before he went down injured. Isaac Lou's there at the moment, um, but Nat Butcher's also started on that edge as well previously a couple of years ago too. So he could easily come into the starting lineup. Even Tupanua. Has um has come in on the edge as well. So even if Orbison stays there, uh, he's got some guys that can come in and replace him on that edge as well. So I'd be a bit wary on what the final lineup's going to be with those guys. I'm going to throw it straight out there though, Billy. Um, there's a couple of pods that I'm looking at for this game, and I'm trying to decide whether I can train them both in or whether I can only afford to get one of them. Uh, the first one's quite an expensive one, and I think that you're going to bring me over the coals about it, but that's okay. And that's uh, Brett Morris. So let me tell you BMOS's BMOS stats at the moment just so you can get a bit of perspective on this before you hound me about it. He's going to cost a massive 730k and he's got a BE close to 100. So he doesn't scream by whatsoever. But with his games that he's played so far in the last... Um, well, sort of sits around four when he's uh, really come into his own... 114 points, 144 points, 72 points, 103 points, 89 points. Had a nice little rest against the Cowboys and threw up a cool 77 against the Canberra Raiders. Now, 
I know that a stats man like yourself is going to point out he's scored a ridiculous amount of tries since round four, but he has scored every single game since round four without fail. He's the best anytime try scorer bet that you'll have on sports bet. He's playing the Warriors, the Titans, and then the Dragons the next three weeks. So I do not think that those sides are going to stop him from continuing to score every week. Um, and against the, the Warriors and the Titans the next two weeks, I can see him scoring doubles against both of them, in which case he's 70s plus. So I kind of see it as a, um, an, it's an expensive purchase, but I can punt someone like Angus Crichton and just try to find an extra 50 grand to get to Brett Morris and have him as a strike centre. Uh, he's a reasonable pot at the moment still as well. So I know he's expensive. I'm trying to say a lot of reasons why I think he's a good buy, but I'm sure that you're going to shoot me down here. No, I agree with you. I tried to buy him last week. <laughs> wow, I didn't expect that. No, mate, I was... No, you're 100%, mate. Um, yes, he's been scoring tries every week to to completely, uh, you know, <laughs> increase his scores. And, but you've got to remember, mate, he's playing for the Roosters now, and Teddy goes right side very, very comfortably. And there's absolutely nothing stopping that man especially given the fact that there's um, more minutes for the ball in play now and more tired forwards. So they're just, the wrist is just, just he's getting out of his hat now. Um, the, uh, the reason why I say he's a yes is because um, I was having a discussion with someone last week around uh, Ikivalu. Uh, uh, the argument in Addicts was, um, oh, but, you know, they, they all, they, roosters always go left. Like, yeah, they do go left, but what happens? They, they average one try, sorry, Tupu averaged one try every two games and never really scored a double on the left. The right-hand side averaged 2.1 tries per game purely because Teddy just does it with ease. I disagreed with buying Ikevaru last week because he, was, he moved from the right to the left and based on the fact that they only scored one try every two games, I didn't want to risk a guy, you know, maybe not getting one and only scoring 35 points. So I asked him not to buy him last week, but he ended up punching... I think sort of 40 points and hit up some of the negative 50 break even versus his opposition this week. I think he might be worth an, another punt. Um, but if you can absolutely um, stretch another 300k and get a bloke like Morris, you're pretty much paying for the, the guarantee. That's all. So you just need to ask yourself, do I want to take a punt that they get one left side or do I want to pay the cash and go with the, uh, the draw and the block on the right. So, mate, 100% agree with you. The only, th- the only, the only reason I'm pissed off is because um, the late mile from Wacko last week was uh, Morris out, but Ikevalo going to switch back to right. So I put 50 bucks on uh, Ikevalo to score two tries last week. <laughs> only to find out he was on the left and Morris came back in. <laughs> uh, it's unlucky for sports bet, but uh, yeah, he did well with his couple of tries last week. I, I mean... I think with Morris, and you were, you were kind of saying it anyway, is that you're paying for points. And really, at this point of the season, there's nothing wrong with buying points. If you can buy an almost guaranteed, you know, 75, 80 point the next two weeks out of your centre wing, and really, even against Saints, his old team, yeah. he's probably going to do it for three weeks, then that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good purchase, even at an expensive price point. So I, I'm going to try really hard to get yeah. Brent Morris in. Um, Kiri is the other guy I'm going to mention, though. And he's he's been a little bit more hit and miss, which Luke Keery definitely is. Um, he only scored 22 points on the weekend. Um, so that was disappointing. But the three weeks beforehand, he went 69, 80, and 80. So he was on a bit of a tear. Um, and he 
has been playing pretty well in real life. Back in round five, he had a 19-point stinker, but other than that one in his 22, he actually hasn't scored below 52. And even that, even that 52, you know, every other game, bar his two stinkers, he's actually scored 60s plus. So he's doing pretty well. Um, he's only 533k. He's got 102 BE. So it is a little bit of a strange week to be looking at bringing him in. Next week, he's probably going to be, uh, 500-ish if he doesn't go off crazy against the Warriors. I do think that he's got a potential ton in him, if not sort of 80s against the Warriors this week though, and the same against the Titans and the Dragons. I'm, um, I'm someone who doesn't own Munster, and Munster's a hundred grand more expensive and more heavily owned, so I'm looking at someone like a Luke Curie with the Warriors, Titans and Dragons in the next three weeks and thinking for, you know, a hundred K discount in that draw. Maybe I can keep up with Munster owners or, or even get above them if he can put some good three week scores in. I couldn't touch Kieran, mate. He's, for me personally, um, I just see him needs, needs to go to the line at least, at least once, more than likely twice and relevant. He just doesn't have that sort of, he just doesn't seem to have that high floor like Munster does. Um, and looking at the game last week, just like, I just can't, I just can't risk having a boat that's going to be on to the 15 points at half time and knowing that he's going to do some serious work in the second half. Um, even with that draw, I just wouldn't go anywhere near him, mate. I, I, I honestly think if you're going to take a risk with um, the Roosters on that left-hand side, you're probably just better off just getting Ikevalu with that massive negative break-even and going, you know what, I'll ride this for a week or two and then just upgrade him to Morris on the right-hand side. Yeah, I mean, Ikevalu is 530k, but I, he does have the minus 49 BE. Um, that's going to change pretty quickly once that 172 drops out after this week, but he does have the the same good draw, so I get it. Um, I, I kind of disagree. I think I'd rather just get Kiri in because I think he's got much higher upside than what Ikevalu does. So that 172 was a complete anomaly. Um, he got to 70 on the weekend with his one try. You know, he's sort of probably a 45 to 70 proposition. Kiri's probably a 25-point floor to a, um, you know, 100-point proposition. So... I think he's got that much higher upside. I don't, I, he doesn't need to score tries. Like I know you're saying, oh, he needs to go over the line. He's only scored a couple this year. Uh, he's got a fair few try assists and line break assists. So if he just gets that other clutch attack in the next couple of weeks, I think that he could be fine. But take your point, though, because he does have those lower scores in him. Um, as far as their opposition, I mean, the Warriors haven't really had anyone um, to look at. Is there any other players of interest in this one that that you're thinking that you might like to look at? Just Tavaga. He, I had a look at his score. And he, he, he start, sorry, correct me if I'm wrong, but he started on the bench last week and he ended up, um, ended up scoring 76 points or something like that. So I went and had a look and thought, oh, he's, the uh, big fella must have come up, must have switched and played full game or something like that, done a lot of tackles. But, um, mate, he was only on the field for half the game. He scored seven. He had, he had a 1.5 PPM with like just a, a crazy number of tackles, um, some hit-ups and some tackle busts. So the only downside is, um, number one, you don't know if there's going to be any sort of late switch rule or whether he's going to get um, interchanged a little bit because I think Bird on the bench. And the other one is, um, yeah, they're playing the Roosters. <laughs> Not really sure I want to miss Risking playing playing less playing less minutes uh, by being under the goalpost for probably ten of them. 
Yeah, he ended up um, getting a line break assist last week that helped out his score, but he still would have been 60s, um, and that was off the back of four offloads and, and half a dozen tackle breaks. So he ended up getting that base attack right up there. He's got an 83 BE and playing the Roosters, like you said, so you definitely afford to wait this week. hope he doesn't score that well, but gets his minutes increase and getting closer to the 500 mark for the following week. Um, definitely one to watch, though. VC and C options, should I even ask this one in this game, mate? Uh, uh, <laughs> I would actually like to um, have a VC option at um, Boris this week, but the mere, the mere fact that if he's going to be getting anything, you know who's going to be giving it to him, who's just going to be going up in price also, but also have, can also score 75 points just to get up to the game, so you can't go against him, can you? You just can't go against Teddy. Four out of his last six games, Teddy scored a ton. That's a ridiculous strike rate. And I think people were really upset that he scored 77 points as the captain on uh, on last weekend's performance. You can really see what type of season he's having when you can get close to 80 and, and be livid with your captaincy choice. It, he's, he's a special for a ton this week, for sure. Like, he could easily... Do the 150 plus again, like he's done against the cows, and also the the bulldogs already this year. Yeah, I made some massive boobies last week. I'm looking after a mate's team for a couple of weeks while he's overseas, and um, I put the VC on Teddy, um, to find out that when I actually went and made a the reverse trade or made another switcheroo, it defaulted to him straight up captaincy. So he missed the Cleary captaincy. <laughs> I um. I started Madison and had Crichton on the bench. So when Madison went down, I couldn't actually switch. <laughs> so I didn't have a backup second rower, so I had to start, what do you call it, the, uh, the, the rookie for the Gold Coast <laughs> in place of Madison. Oh. And then I, uh, I, 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 uh, the, the last one was there. I on the cake. I made the 50-50 call. So look, Pappy, uh, Pappy's averaging 100 versus the Titans. I'll buy Pappy instead of Munster. <laughs> so, so I hope my mate doesn't hate me when he finds out what he scores when he gets back from uh, interstate. <laughs> when I can go on overseas holidays again, I know who I'm going to not leave in charge of my super coach. Who <laughs> just convinced me on that one? <laughs> All those holiday super coach hijinks aside, James Tedesco has to be give a captaincy choice if you own him. If you don't own him, I've said you should have already torn your team <laughs> apart to get him. As far as this game goes, Billy, Sportsbet is an interesting, intriguing line on this. I don't remember seeing a line this big for quite some time. The Roosters are giving up, I think it's 28.5 points at the moment. They're minus 28.5 handicap for $1.90. So Sportsbet's expecting a 30-plus win. I find it hard to disagree with Sportsbet. I actually think that they're going to towel up the Warriors this week. The Warriors might be good for her one token, one sort of token try. I think Momalo did last week, didn't he, or something like that. 46 to 10, the Sharkies won. Yeah. So, I mean, if the Sharks did 46 to 10, surely this shapes up as a, I don't know, 84 to 4 type of victory. <laughs> the way the Sharks are going. <laughs> oh, you're probably not too far off the right. The only thing I would bet on it would probably be a first try score, but you're not even getting value there. You're probably going to get to the $5, Morris, and, um, to, to score a double, you're not going to get much either. I, I, I tried to put, um, I went to put, you know, sort of 20 bucks on Maiden to score a, a double last week, only to find out he was only paying $3.60 on Sunday. Look at that. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know what's happened to the odds, but yeah, the, uh, yeah, the boogies aren't giving you much these days with the rule changes. 
I'm already on Morris BMOS for first try scorer. $7 on sports bet still, so pretty good value. Um, only $1.50 for any time though, so. But any time and, uh, Roos is 20 plus, I think it's about $2.20, so. Some really good bets for this one. Um, let's move on though, because we do spend too much time on these Roosters games. Sharks vs Dragons is the next one. And the Sharkies have got Talakai coming into the starting side to play second row with Britain Nakora suspended. Uh, Rudolph's named again to start at lock, which is really good for Rudolph owners. He started making some extra cash again. Uh, other than that, there isn't really uh, any relevant changes for the Sharkies for Supercoach. Uh, for the Dragons, Tarek Sims is replaced by Fui Mano again. Um, and Jacob Post comes onto the bench again, not too relevant for Supercoach. Taylor, two sides here. Um, the Sharkies obviously went crazy last week and got back into form against the Warriors, like we said, 46 to 10 winners. Uh, whereas the Dragons kind of tried everything they could not to beat the Bulldogs until the final seconds of the game. So, as far as Super Coach goes, Market Watch, there is actually nobody that's being traded in or out very much of these two teams because they're not hugely relevant this year as much as they have been in years past. Uh, I will say though that SJ just keeps on being great. Uh, didn't quite get to 120 points last week, but it was awfully close to it, Billy. Yeah, I'll tell you what, it was, um, it was tough watching Cleary at half time knowing that, uh, SJ went 110. <laughs> they bought the wrong player in, I bought the wrong player in, but it ended up working out in the end, mate, but it wasn't, it was panic stations for a bit, especially when SJ went over for that try in the afternoon. Yeah, uh, look, I, I own SJ and Cleary and, and I, Looked at it and actually said on last week's podcast, you know, SJ wouldn't be a bad C against his old club. I'm sure he'll probably turn up and he did. Did exactly what I thought he would. And then we got to that Cleary game and I went, oh no. But I, I tell you what, I cheered harder than ever before. My wife um, was here on the lounge with me and my mum had come over to visit five minutes before. And I just I saw Cleary do the dummy and I just stopped talking to my mum and just jumped up and just threw the fist in the air and started cheering. Neither of them knew what I was cheering so hard for since I don't go for Penrith, but beside the point, got us home, so <laughs> got to wipe the sweat off at least at the end. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Like my, my relatives look at me and go, "What? Why are you watching the Titans for? It's a shit game." Like, no, it's not. <laughs> I just want this guy to go over for another seven tries. Oh, what's his name? Ikivalu. Shut up, leave me alone. Well, yeah, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's amazing how much you, it's amazing how much people who've never played footy before know about obscure players that half the actual, um, you know, real, real players have no idea who their names are. <laughs> yep. Well, it is a game that brings us all together, Super Coach, and a couple of pods in this one that I want to raise with you. Uh, one of them is a guy that I've really liked this year, but I just haven't been able to pick the right spot to buy him in, and I'm wondering if it's this week. Would have loved to have bought Sione Katoa last week to play on the Sharkies' wing in my centre wing, but couldn't do it. Um, he was priced too expensive, and he was going down in cash with a big 100-plus BE. Um, subsequently scored 96 points against the Warriors, 34... Uh, he scored two tries in that 96 points. Uh, one of them was scintillating. He looks like he might be one of those obscure centre wing keepers that if you're brought in, you can kind of just keep along now. Um, they play in the Dragons this week, the Sharkies, obviously. They can put on some points against the Dragons again, and then they got the Broncos the week after. This guy likes to get some tries. He likes to get some base attack. He's now almost on the dot at 500k with a 70s BE. 
it's not a bad time to be looking at him, I don't think. So, Billy, if I like, I can't if I can't afford Brett Morris and I would need a centre wing, which I do. I reckon Sione Katoa might be a bit of a smoky to keep it on. Um, he's got scores of 96, 55, 87, and 107 in his last five. Of course, the issue there is that he does have a 10-point score in there too. So he does have that yuck floor, but you know he's got the ton already this year and two other games in the 90s, so he can put up the big ones as well. Who was the uh, the 10 the 10 against? But was it anyone of note, or was it just a, an anomaly? It was against Penny. And um, that was when the the Panthers absolutely towed the Sharks up two weeks ago. So can kind of understand it. He only played 68 minutes as well because he got injured. So um, yeah, a couple of mitigating factors as well. Yeah, fair enough. I'm just having, I'm just going back and have a look at his numbers from last year too. And yeah, they're they're, they're pretty scary. Like he's got he's got 100, 108 versus the goal first last year. But he's got you know 42 and 11, 42, 26, 43, 17. 36. I'm, I'm too scared of those those those, those low numbers, mate. Um, it's a lot. They do look a lot better this year, but I think I might just sort of stay away. Yeah, what are the differences this year? Like he's only just turned 22, um, and yeah, last year was sort. Of, I think his second year in the NRL um, after debuting the year before, and he didn't get consistent games either. This is a this is the first year he's got no, a consistent spot where he's been there every single game and had a, a game on the wing. Played all ten rounds so far this year, so I do think that like he's just still getting better and he's just learning um, what to do in first grade. So I I don't take as much off last year as what I would maybe you know a guy that's been in the league for four or five years starting. This is sort of his first big season to sort of learn and, and start on the wing. Yeah, it's very cool, mate. Um, you and Aitken is another one that I want to raise, and it's a bit gross talking about it again. I spoke about it a couple of weeks ago, but you know I, I have to yeah. talk about it again because mate, he's People hear it and they go, oh, no, not you and Aitken again. But I'm telling you, like he's now gone in the last three weeks, 84, 71 and 80. And he's had 39, 46 and 44 base in those three weeks. Uh, he has been very good. The Sharks out wide do not have good defence. Um, he's playing Souths the week after and harder games against the Roosters and the Eels after that. But then he's got the Broncos and the... The Titans and then the Cowboys. So, I mean, two out of his next six are tough and the other four are not so tough. And he's he's just been playing a lot better. Like, he's the last three weeks, he's now got a three-round average of 78. He's got a five-round average of 62 since he's been starting at three. Yeah, you've got to remember, like, the, the first two games were off the bench too. Um, so he had some really, really low minutes. So he's pretty much had uh, three games at 40 and three games at, you know, just under 80. So, um but they've got a half decent draw too. They've been playing a lot better. The Dragons are just a bit of a surprise packet, man. Like I, I saw, I saw Lomax as soon as I could, but he just seems to be getting better and better, uh, output wise, and it's just punching them over. I mean, same with Aitken, maybe, maybe he's, the Dragons are starting to get a, a few wins under their belt, and all of a sudden the Bokes just, that was scoring forties uh, and now sort of sneaking over the line. Yeah, I, mean, I, I don't know what to make of him. Last week it was more appealing because he was only 429k, so it was a lot easier last week to sort of look at it. But I, obviously the worry was, is he going to keep it up? And then he threw up an 80, and now he's 488k. Still got a low BE at 26, uh, but 
as far as pod centre wings go, I mean, it is one of those spots in centre wing, like we said, where you just, you're really scrounging for options. And these guys like Katoa and Aitken are sort of 500 or sub 500. Uh, you know, they start to come into calculations a little bit when they've got some good teams, uh, or some good matchups, I should say. Yeah, yeah, true, mate. Most people own Teddy, but if you don't own Teddy, um, would you be looking at riding the, the Sean Johnson train this week? Do you think that he might be a captaincy option in this one? No, I wouldn't make him captain. I'd be see at most, but you've got to have a get-out-of-jail card late in the weekend. And I think there is still one from memory, but it's not as good as last week. When you've got, you've, you've got Palmer versus the Dogs, which is a good out. You've, you've still got Cleary again versus Titans, but it's away from home. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure how much value that adds, um, especially given clearing is on, you know, 30 points less than three seconds ago. So I'm not sure if you want your heart in the mouth again. Yeah, I, I think that the VC, the VC option's a good call because I'd be comfortable with either a, a Cleary C or a Ponga C um, later in the round. So I, I think it's a pretty good call. Uh, I also think that whilst the Dragons have been playing better, the, the, uh, the Sharkies are going to put it on them this week. They might not win by heaps because it's a local derby that, that ends up being close a lot of the time, but I think the Sharkies are definitely going to get over the top of them and um, and definitely score some points myself. What, what do you think about Rudolph as an option? Do you think he's going to stay named at 13 or do we all switch real again? But remember that Sorensen's out now. Um, look, I think that he's I think that he's going to end up staying there. He scored 59 points over 61 minutes last week um, and looked pretty good. Um, and there was talk that he did renege on his... Um, on his Warriors deal now, and he's going to stay with the Sharks. So they might be looking at him as a, a future 13. Um, the fact that that uh, you've got Fafita out at the moment as well as another middle forward option off the bench, and the way their bench looks, you know, they've got um, Tracy Williams, Wilton debuting, and Royce Hunt on the bench. Uh, it's not really screaming that they're going to be taking him off very much. So... I think that you can expect him similar at the moment for this week, and I reckon they might persist with it going forward. Yeah, fair enough. I'm just trying to ask the question. So, like, given how late in the round it is, and given you know, that you've got sort of uh, Crichton out and a couple of others out, but whether it might be a viable option for people as a fourth, as a uh, fourth reserve, if they needed to. Yeah, it's a good point, mate. I think that you could do the fourth reserve on him if you had to, because. You know, obviously, Tracy's not going to um, come on for him. Um, Wilton, uh, I don't think he's going to either. Um, Hunt, and then you've got Jack Williams, who's gotten a reprieve. And look, honestly, I can't see Jack Williams getting his 13 jersey back because he got dropped because he was playing so poorly. I think they're going to make him work his way off the bench. So at least for this week, you'd expect him to probably be safe, Rudolph. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so moving along, uh, the next game's a little bit more exciting. The Raiders versus Rabbitohs. Now, the Raiders, we've got John Bateman on the extended bench, which is something that I really did not expect to see. We'll wait and see whether he's actually going to play. If he does, what he looks like, and then it's going to be pretty interesting. Jordan Rapan is um, actually sliding from the wing to centre, uh, which is quite interesting. And on the Rabbitohs side of things, we've got James Roberts out for the season doing his pick. So he's he's had a horror year, and that's just going to continue. Uh, but Campbell Graham comes back into the centres to help him out. That means that um, Corey Allen and Jackson Polo are both starting again. Polo is um, a guy that's definitely in the top 10 at the moment as well as a downgrade option. You mentioned that you probably liked him a little bit better um, than the Cowboys option in the halves. 
Is that because you think that he's probably going to have more opportunity to keep starting a bit longer and make that cash? Yeah, yeah. I just like the fact that, uh, number one, probably drop security there, but number two, if anyone's going to get me luck, it's a winger falling over for 30 points as opposed to, you know, a really half trying to create something, trying to create something twice because they need to get, what, two tries just to match a try pretty much with 20 points. A line break assist and a try assist for 20 points rather than falling over a line from a, from a center pass. Yep, yep. No, I agree. There's another uh, semi-cheapy starting for the Rabbits as well in Bailey Siren in the second row. It's just unfortunate that he's 272k. So he's a little bit too expensive, but I'm going to be having a look at how many minutes that he plays because I actually said oh, about a month ago now um, he scored a really good try um, and ended up going really well against the Panthers. And I said that they should be starting him on an edge. Siren's a young bloke, and he looks like that he's coming up and getting a lot better. And now he's starting for an injured Ethan Lowe. So I'm going to see how he goes, because he might actually be one that retains that edge spot. Um, but probably the most interesting thing in this one, Billy, we like to talk about pods. Um, the Rabbits' forward pack doesn't have a, a, doesn't have a fantastic record this year. They aren't going as well anymore. Josh Papali for the Raiders just keeps on playing well. Uh, mentioned him a few weeks ago. Uh, couldn't get him. He's now 615k with a 44 BE, coming off 82 points against the Roosters and 98 points a week before against the Storm. Scoring a try in both, but he scored a try three out of the last four, and it's been by three of the best teams in the league he's been up against in Para, Storm and the Roosters. Against South and then against the Cowboys, um, he could rip up the next couple of weeks as well. His minutes have been high, Billy. He's played 60 and 62 minutes the last couple of weeks. Obviously, they're missing some to middle forwards like the horse, um, so maybe his minutes are back up there. His fitness probably is as well, but he's now got a three-round of 76 and a five-round average of 77. I know Wilfred was keen a month ago, and that was a pretty good call. Josh Papali at 615k, maybe he is the the pod buy for this week if you're looking at a front row forward? Yeah, he's uh, def- definitely a pod buy. Um, I'm not sure if um, Bateman maybe coming back uh, makes me less appealing. I, I can't really sort of see that mucking around with the four rotation. He's always going to get sort of 55 minutes. Um, I, I actually prefer this play, this play playing on edge because he's such a big da- damaging guy that he, he could have a lower base and just crash over for more. So it's surprising he's throwing up some consistent sort of 90, 90s, uh, 94, 98, and 82. I'm probably going to pass on him. Um, I wouldn't buy him because I'm still too concerned about you know, a 50 or a 55, which he still can seem to chuck up, but um, definitely not their office, mate, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I really like him, um, and I, I'd like to... I'd like to buy him this week, if not next, but um, I'm just probably not going to have the trades to be able to do it with uh, my centre wing needing to be fixed. But if you need a front row forward option, he's looked like he's really proved himself in this one. Uh, Someone else that should be in the the top 10 traded in uh, but isn't is Damien Cook, who you mentioned earlier, as a better option than uh, than Smith if you had to choose. Cook, he's coming off 138 points against Newcastle, uh, where he scored those tries. 97 points the week before against the Tigers where he scored no tries and 78 points the week before that. He scored two tons in his last five outings now and he looks like a lot better player than what he did the first five rounds of the season. 
Now averaging bang on 76, which is the same as last year. So he's back to form. And now he's bang on 700k, just about. BE of 19. If you bought him, you know, a month ago when he was 600k, you would be absolutely laughing. But can you can you pay up for 700k of Damian Cook at the moment, Billy? Do you believe that he's going to keep going on this one, uh, even against the Canberra side this week that beat the Roosters last week? Yeah, I reckon so. Even if he only chucks up to the 65 points this week, I think he still increases in coin a little bit and puts him in good stead for the two games after that. I think he's just too good of a player. Yeah, the last five weeks in a row, he's had 50s as a raw base. Um, and averaged around 55 raw base in the last five weeks, uh, which is four to five points better than his actual season average. So I think that pretty much says he's back as well as the attack that he's been getting. So I, I'm 100% on board with you, Billy. I think that he's a really good buy. Uh, Appy to uh, Cook's probably going to cost you 150 grand, but it's probably going to be worth it in the long run for the run home as well. Any other players of interest in this one? There isn't a lot of market watch interest in this, but there's certainly some good pod buys. Kind of toying with the idea of maybe downgrading to Jordan Rapana as opposed to a full cheapie kind of burnt me last week because I, I downgraded to James Roberts last week, not because I wanted to, but because I really, really needed to have someone up to the value. I think of going to 380k and I, I didn't want to do Talao, I didn't want to do Saab, I didn't want to do Ozarko. So I kind of thought, you know what, I'll take that, I'll take that punt on on the jet because worst case scenario he might score some of twenty points in in base there and his speed he might get he might get a sixty or a seventy and I can punt him within sort of two weeks but no. Twelve points or something sixteen points. Couldn't believe it. And then then, then the hammer goes off for a seventy six and oh, God damn it, it could have just saved the trade and played the hammer. But <laughs> yeah, mate, swings and roundabout. So I've got to get rid of um him and I'm contemplating making the same mistake by getting in Rapana, who's moving into the centre position, as opposed to getting a chicken. Um, I'm not sure what the smartest thing to do, but a bloke like him, who is a known runner and tackle buster, might be worth a stab. Might not uh, come to fruition either. But the, the only point I'm making here, mate, is if you don't want to go full bottom dollar, I think Rapana moving in, in one spot's not the worst decision. Yeah, I actually thought about it as well. He's 280k, um, but his scores have just been abysmal. Like, he's averaged 31 this year, but maybe playing at centre, he's going to get some cleaner ball, uh, and he's going to certainly get a better work rate there, at least with his tackling. I think the thing that I've been concerned about with Rapana is that he hasn't been breaking tackles and offloading like he used to when he was a gun, and that's a bit of a worry. Uh, he's, you know, had like 11 runs last week, which wasn't great. Um, with one tackle break and one offload, which you know is below what he used to be doing, and that's kind of been the story of his season. His base attack hasn't really been there. He's only scored the one try as well. He's got a 58 BE, so you can probably wait this week. I guess I think it's probably safer for anyone like yourself that's looking to buy him to maybe wait and see what he does this week against South. And if he plays 80 minutes at centre and gets named at centre next week, and that's what they're going to do. He's got the cows next week. Um, he might even be slightly cheaper. And you can kind of take a punt then, maybe. Oh yeah, but yeah, I would only be buying pretty much for one game, just to play this week, just so I didn't have to play. Um, well, one of the other embarrassing players that I have there at the moment, given that news out. 
Well, fair enough. It's a big call to make. He's <laughs> good luck with that one. I've got no idea what Jordan Rapata is going to do in the centres. Uh, how do you see this game going, mate? You, do you, as far as the C choices go, there probably isn't very many to talk about, but would you consider Cook as, as one of them, considering the form he's in at the moment? If you asked me that question last week, I would have said yes, given that um, Hoshin's out and that the Rays probably don't have, don't have any rudder. They had a couple of wingers out, um, and they, their, their halves are all the sort of kickers and runners. But the way they've been taking some big scouts lately, I would probably say no this week. Um, <laughs> VC with anyone. It is a GIA stadium too, mate, so I think it's going to be a bit harder. I think the Raiders will actually win this one, but it could be a bit of a tight one. I, honestly, I don't know. I, I, but last time I was on this part, I, I, bet, I bet you that Souths were going to beat um, Panthers, so I'm not even going to bother trying to <laughs> get this one, mate. <laughs> well, let's talk about the Knights versus Bulldogs then. Um, the Knights have no changes for the week at all. Exactly the same side. Bulldogs, they've got Jake Avarillo returning back. So we get the Armadillo back. He's been on my bench. Finally, I get to see some more cash coming through. Montoya moving on to the wing. So Brandon Wakeham's come onto the bench for Sue. That does mean that their bench at the moment is Wakeham, Sione Katoa, uh, Tuamaga, and Ogden. So... They don't have a huge bench. It could mean that there's some bigger minutes for those Bulldogs forwards. It's an interesting matchup, this one. Obviously, the number one player that we should be talking about is Kalen Ponga, and he is relevant on Market Watch for sure. Um, his value at the moment, he's come back in and hit the 90s again in his scoring, which we all knew that he would do eventually. Glad that he did it last week. Got his try. Uh, as far as the trade market goes, he's actually now... Uh, the second most traded player in now. So 6.2% of coaches are bringing him in. Uh, fair bit behind Cameron Smith, but a lot of value at 517000 Now, he's playing the Bulldogs. I'm going to say, even though people like Cam Smith is um, a lot more popular and, and Munster's not far behind Ponga, I see Ponga as the number one trade this week. He's in 27% of teams at the moment, which is high, but nowhere near as high as what it has been before for Ponga. He's got a 58 BE. He's only 517k. He's coming off scoring 92 points last week. He's goal kicking against the Dogs, and they could put up 36, 40 points against them pretty easily. He's a potential captaincy option this week at 500k. So I can't say enough about how I think he's the buy of the week. Yeah, 100%. Um, he's also in a lot of dormant teams too. Like if you go and have a look at you know, the 100. 100-odd thousand teams that started the season. There's probably a good percentage of those that aren't really sort of playing anymore. So you could probably realistically halve that in, into, you know, some 10% of teams that are still sort of fighting out, probably have him um, to be pretty pretty generic. The fact that he's been kind of quiet the last kind of three or four weeks that I kind of stepped up, he's probably still not, not a pod, but I, I would think that a lot of the people in the top sort of 1,000 probably have, you know, 10 in, I don't know, Kenny and Guff or maybe Teague is there's someone else in there. So most of the dogs, definitely a captaincy option, mate. Yeah, I think if you've got Teddy and your other your other fullback is not Ponga, that should be your first trade this week. And I'll just leave it on that as far as Kalen goes. For the rest of Market Watch, we've actually got another knight in the top 10, and that is Bradman Best. So he's an interesting one because a lot of people... Um, Sold him and he wasn't doing too well. And now he's the seventh most trading player this week. He's only 390k. I know you had a bit of an interest in um in doing another a trade to get him back in. He is still in 41% of teams. Coming off a really good game and 95 points against Souths on the weekend was huge for anyone that played him. 
but the three weeks before he went 25, 33 and 38. I understand your interest in maybe buying him as a cheap centre wing that can put up good points, but he seems to either be doing massive games or or really below average games, and that's what it was the three weeks before last week. So I'm not too sure what I'm going to get out of him. You seem a bit more confident than me, though. He just looks really good, mate. The whenever he gets the ball, he just reminds me of a big sort of back rower that just uh, takes two or three takes two or three defenders to get to get him down. Um, the two, the first two games where he scored pretty poorly, um, you didn't see Ponga on that side of the field at all. I went, I didn't see the game live, but I went, I went and had a had a had a, had a look at him, and it was almost like Coach basically said to Ponga during those two games, "Do, do not feel the life you step on the left side of the field, or that's it. You just you dropped." Like it, it just wasn't there at all. Uh, I dropped sort of best last week, um, thinking, okay, so we had a massive break here and Pongo was on the right-hand side. Let's just sort of test this theory. And yeah, he didn't, uh, Pongo didn't really sort of go to the left too much still, but, but, what, but when he did, um, he went looking for best. I think he got wrapped up in a couple of short balls just before the line. I was sitting down praying, going, I thank Christ for that. And yeah, he, punched, he ended up showing up a uh, 30 odds. But um, yeah, it came back to bite me on the ass this week because you know Tonga went looking for him, and um, it, it only takes a couple of balls, you know. And he, he got what a line break tries just away, and he went over himself. So it doesn't take much for a bloke like that to step up. And when when the centre three quarter is averaging sixty seven, doesn't matter whether it's twenty one weeks and one twenty the week after for a sub four hundred k, it's not something you generally want to pass up, mate. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, I, I'm I'm not as sold, but I understand the thinking is only 380k. Um, I'm going to put to you that there's a bit of a pot option to downgrade that no one's looking at in the trade market at the moment. Uh, I think 1% ownership, and that's Tao Tao Moga, who's starting at the centre again. He's come back in round nine with a 35. Last week he got 48 against South, 30s in base. Uh, he's only 245000 and he's about to hit his first price rise with a BE of 5. So coming up against the Dogs um, with a low BE and 245k, I actually looked at him as, as a bit of a um, top downgrade target if I had to downgrade a centre wing. Uh, I quite liked Moga against the Dogs at the 245k mark. He's still reasonably cheap. Yeah, I just don't really like right centers. They just don't seem to score that well. It seems to be right right wingers that score really well, or um, yeah, nothing else. <laughs> I, I I just struggle with the idea of getting centers. Struggle with the idea of getting centers. Like it's 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 amazing how it works. I mean, you look you look at a, a team like Parramatta. Like the left left winger is their predominant winger. Uh, the New South Wales State of Origin bloke on the right hasn't scored a try all season. Then you go to a, a team like the Chooks, and their right side is consistent as hell over over the line. Left side, not so much. Um, Panthers, um, the Luai rarely gets the ball, and when he does go left, he just does not have a cutout ball and can only kick. So the left centre Crichton gets all all the tries. Mansell gets nothing. On the right hand side, Crew doesn't have a greatest of passing game. He's all kick. So when they do get out there, like it's, it's their right centre gets nothing. It's all the it's Tuo and Maiden and and whoever the right winger is that gets the the sweet play all the results of the kick. So it, every team is different, and I just don't think um, in terms of your question here that uh, the right centre for um, uh, Knights is probably uh, too much of an interest for me. 
Fair enough. I mean, it's more that the, uh, you know, he's got some solid scores and he's coming up against the dogs and he's low price point. I, I mean, I guess where I'm coming from, I, I'd probably rather pay an extra 40 grand for, for a Moga than a 200 grand, you know, rookie sort of player. Um, I think there's probably more, yeah, more work right there. Yeah. Look at that draw too. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I might go have a look at it for a one week in here. 40 grand less than your mate Rapana. So, I mean, if you look at it that way, you can save 40 grand on it, and he's got to be a five, whereas Rapana's a 58. So, you're going to make money on it straight away. So, as far as the result yeah. in this one, I can't see the Knights not doing a, a bit of a towel up against the Dogs. Uh, it might be that the Knights throw out a bad performance, which they've been known to do this year. Even if they do, I, I still see them as probably 14 or 16 point winners. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I think the dogs get crucified. Um, the only other point I'll add is I've been watching the... Um, oh, you might have seen me through this stat-up every week. I've been watching the wingers versus the dogs. The only point I was making about the dogs is, mate, um, uh, 17 out of 20 wingers versus the dogs have all, all scored a try, so you could do worse than banking on at least one of them or just doing a multi each each winger into the Knights to win both halves. It's sort of 7 or 8 to 1. Beautiful sports bet plug again. Let's move on to the final game of the round, the Titans versus the Panthers. There's a lot of interesting ones in this one. Uh, as far as market watch goes, people are jumping off um, Appy Coruscant. He's obviously not been named for the Panthers in one of the big changes. Um, Dylan Edwards is still out with Aikens coming in to replace him. Uh, we've got Brent Naden shifting from the wing to the centre with Ware out, and Wateni Zalesniak comes in onto the wing. On the Titans side of things, Copley coming back into the side. Uh, Fermor is out, replaced by Kevin Proctor, which we flagged a couple of weeks ago. Might be an issue for Fermor's job security, so don't worry too much if you want to make money. Um, if you do need to downgrade and just hope that he makes some cash, go for it. But otherwise, just be aware. Uh, and, yeah, Proctor's come in and just kicked him straight out of the side. So not good for Fermor owners, Billy. Yeah, yeah mate. Uh, I, I kind of thought he might have got an extra couple of weeks, but... Um... Yeah, he didn't really look like he was uh, doing much. I hardly even heard his name on the field last week. No, he, he didn't do fantastic. He had, um, I think, two penalties and three errors or something as well. So didn't go great. But let's talk about the big news with, with Appy Coruscant. So a lot of teams have obviously trading him out. I haven't actually seen a time frame yet, but there was a bit of a rumour that it might be three weeks. Now, if it's three weeks, you get rid of him for sure. If it's just one week, I mean, should for one week, um, you know, 13 percent of teams be jumping off him as the number one traded out player. Yeah, I, I am. Um, I just think this week was his draw. The fact that he's not sort of throwing up any sort of big sort of tons, I think, is just it just gives you an option to pick up a guy like Smith or um, or Cook, given given their draw and, and their propensity to chuck up at like 80, 80 or 96 average, mate. Yeah, it's fair enough. If I had the extra trade, I'd probably punt him this week. I don't, so I'll probably end up holding him because I just have to fix my centre wing up. Uh, if he's out for three weeks, I think it's a given. If he's not out for three weeks and he returns next week, though, I will say that Penrith do have a pretty good draw, uh, and he is due to sort of start to hit some attacks. So, you know, he's still gone uh, 51, 73, 81 in his last three. Um, and after the Gold Coast, he's got Manly, uh, Canberra, Warriors, Sharks, Tigers, Broncos. Pretty good season ending for Penrith, um, so it wouldn't be bad to hold him either. The only other guy that's garnering a bit of attention on the trade market with the top 10s, um, Fisher-Harris is being 
uh, looked at a little bit. And there's been quite a few questions about Fisher-Harris as well. He's right in the middle of the number five most traded-in player at the moment. Just behind him is Nathan Cleary. We won't speak about Nathan Cleary. Everybody should own him if you don't get him in your side. We've spoken about him enough. He's a captaincy option again this week after his 120 last week. But James Fisher-Harris, we haven't spoken about much. Fifth most traded-in player, Billy. He's 567k, and he's a dual second-row, front-row forward, which is handy. He's only in 7% of teams, so he is an absolute pod. He's coming off an 88-point performance against the Cowboys. Scored 58, 76, 64. His last three to round out his month. Uh, he's actually playing quite well lately. And for the season, he's got a 67-point average. So I understand why teams are having a look at him. To be honest, um, he's kind of th- flown a little bit under the radar for me the last few weeks. But looking at his numbers lately... Uh, I can understand it, especially when he can hit some um, good offloads and base attacking at some of this opposition. Yeah, but he played 67 minutes last week. He's not going to get that every week. Prior to that, he's averaged between the 57 and sort of some low 60-ish kind of minutes. So um, I really don't want to take the risk that I'm going to get, you know, uh, uh, between a 50 and a kind of 65 off him. Uh, at this stage in the season, what big numbers. So I would be more inclined to um, go someone like uh, Jim McCullough yeah, I, everybody knows how much I like Junior Paulo as a pod option. Um, I much prefer him. In two weeks' time, Junior Paulo is going to be hugely inexpensive uh, because he had that injury-affected game where he went off in the 29th minute. So I'd be looking at Paulo instead. I understand why people are going for Fisher-Harris, though, and he could get some bulk offloads against the Titans. Looking at some other pod options, though, that aren't in the top 10 most traded in, Stephen Crichton was last week. And I will admit I was very torn on Crichton. Um, he does look very good. He does pass the eye test. Um, but I said to multiple people, you know, when he's when he hasn't been scoring tries, or even when he has been, he's had some really bad stats. So before last week, he had the 115 and 75. But everything before that was sort of between 29 and, and 51 points for the, the other eight rounds of the year. He's... Base was terrible, and he still only got a 23 base, and he didn't really have a lot of base attack. All of his points were coming from scoring tries. I actually lucked into trading him in last week, so I want to apologise to people that I said I'm not sure about him when they were asking me. The only reason I traded him in was because I got to the the last game, and I was needed to win, uh, I think, three of my head-to-head matchups, and I needed to send a wing for Masters. Crichton was the obvious choice for me to grab in, and he obviously scored 82 points. He looked dynamic on the weekend, Billy. Um, there's no denying that he is scoring a lot of tries, but it seems to be what he does. He's scored a try every week, bar three out of the ten rounds that he's played in. 518,000, but he now still has a negative BE of minus nine. So is he still a buy at the moment, or do you think that it's going to come back down and he's going to start hitting those 30s and 40s again? I think he does look a lot better. I think it, I think it's more more about... Not so much coming down, but just having the one game anomaly here and there where he doesn't score a try, that's all. Um, he's a centre, not a winger. Um, I hate him because he's a hog. He's not given man's or anything. Um, <laughs> just, I, I know, I know, like if, you, if you watch him, like there's been a couple of instances in the last couple of weeks where he's opted to, t- to take the step back inside and have a run. And he, 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 um, he has gotten over the line once or twice doing that. But where Mansell was outside, but there was a, there was an instance um, 
oh, sorry, a couple of hours ago on Sunday where Mansell was outside and he was absolutely open, nothing outside, and he offered to go back inside anyway and completely fucked it up. So it's okay to be greedy. If, you, if you're confident, you're going to get over the line. But when you go got a bloke unmarked outside and you just refuse to pass, that's stupidity. Um, <laughs> coming I, I from, I, coming I, from I, a Mansell owner, you, of course. Oh. I hope he hasn't cost him a final, mate, because it's just, it just seems like an extra... Him and Dugan, Duke, like, just seems like unless he's blatantly going to get tackled and he absolutely cannot go any further, that's the only point he will offload it to uh, an unmarked bloke outside. Um, but, but to answer your question, <laughs> <laughs> I think he's got too, too, too... I think he's got too much of a low floor. Um, I think the only thing that does benefit him um, is more sort of Sports bet punting. The reason is because, like I said before, Lou uh, uh, I can't for the last in pass beyond kick out or 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 grubber it um, to the end goal for clip for kick out or um, Crichton to pick up. Mantle not getting anything. So um, I think one of those two boats is going to get get it, get some clubs each week. Counter your Crichton. I'm going to raise you a maiden. I much prefer that guy on the wing. He's averaging 76 on the wing. Um, he's obviously moving back to centre this week. So his, his hit-ups kind of have... His hit-ups double to triple when he goes to the wing, so he's not going to have as much output there. But he's clearly been the dominant guy um, and him having a decent kind of work ethic. Um, I think you could... And with their draw, I would probably prefer to go Naden over Crichton. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, I think the thing that I was impressed with with Crichton on the weekend, which I haven't seen him do, is that he had four offloads and three tackle breaks. And the offloads in particular, he just he hasn't been doing it at all. Like, he's got, like, one, zero, zero, one, as far as his offload counts. Like, he hasn't been getting any, and he got four. I'd love to see that part of his game, because if it became part of his game, like it was on the weekend, it's going to boost his scores heaps. Uh, but if not, he's got that low floor. I really like your Naden call though, um, and he's he is the ultimate, ultimate, ultimate pod. He's one percent owned. He's four hundred seventy-eight thousand, which sounds very expensive, but he's got a minus six BE himself. Uh, and like you said, he's he's had pretty decent scores, and he's coming up against the Gold Coast Titans. He scored eighty-three against the Cowboys last week and ninety-seven against the Sharks the week before. It would be remiss if I didn't mention he scored twenty-two against the Tigers, but. You're going to have those scores. He's got a pretty good upside of getting those 80s and 90s. Um, and against the Gold Coast Titans, he he could very well get um, good attack. I mean, realistically, Billy, I expect both of these guys to get to get points this week. I, I think they'll both score well this week, and both of them are going to make money. So both of them look like decent center wing purchases. Yeah, I just don't think they're going to go for a double. That's all. So I think they they both score. Eight, I think they both score 80s or they, or. One, one or both of the scores kind of 40-ish. I, I don't think either of them are uh, B, C or C options, but they're def, definitely pot options. Well, we know Kikau's going to go over for an edge try against the Titans. That's a given. Scored 90-plus points last, last year against them. It's going to happen again at 434k. Spoke about him last week. I bought him myself. I'm really happy I got him this week. You said that you weren't sure about the C on, on Cleary. I'm going to throw it out there that I would almost... VC Teddy and C Cleary. Uh, I, I'm not quite there yet. I'm probably still going to see Teddy outright. But if I was, if I was chasing in a matchup, particularly because the Roosters play smack bang in the middle, if I was a head-to-head team, if I was a head-to-head team and I was chasing by that midway point when that Roosters game come, I'd go VC Teddy if my uh, other opponent had the C, 
and see Cleary because I, I think Cleary's going for another ton for sure. Yeah, I'm decided at the moment. I mean, the video on that, well, I'm going to VC Munster and the safer route with CT. I just think Teddy has that higher floor, like the 65-70. Like, uh, you, you saw last week, was scored 77 pretty much doing bugger all in, in the wet. So I'd kind of prefer that as a safety net as opposed to baking on a half that doesn't have any sort of running, running stats to kind of back up a base. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm talking it up, but really, I'm just I, I wish that it was just another week where I could just see Cleary against the Titans, but I'll probably stick with um with Teddy. For those that don't have Teddy though, if you got Cleary, he's a clear C option for this week for me. I can't see the Panthers not doing what they did to the Sharks a couple of weeks ago. I know they were pretty um, average last week against the Cowboys. I don't think that happens two weeks in a row. I, I think that they're going to put up 40 plus points on the on the Titans side this week. Yeah, I think it'll be a decent score too. Although probably a lot of points in the second half. Penrith just seemed to really struggle first half. Um, I know it's a different team, but still. Yeah, they do a little bit. They de- they tend to do have the, some of those slow starts sometimes. Um, I'm going to play Luai this week. I'm pretty much playing every Panther that I can get my hands on and every Rooster I can get my hands on. I think those are going to be the two massive games. Uh, are you the same? Are you going to get Luai going or are you actually going to look at trading him out? Because quite a few teams are actually trading out Luai this week. I can't I can't trade him out. I'm just going to leave him there as an NPR, but I might end up having to play him. Which I don't like. The reason is he's one of the few players left where you can you can probably safely leave out. It's not going to hurt you significantly. Yep. Um, because games really does go well. He has two tries or has a try himself, and he's still only scores sort of fifty five. So kind of safe to um, not not playing. I'll take a bit of, take a bit of the risk out, but yeah, I'm just going to leave him as NPR. I think. Well, on that note, I think we both agree the Panthers are going to smash it and win some teams head-to-heads at the end of the round. Good luck with your week, mate. Um, Good to have you on after a couple of weeks to have a chat again. Thanks, mate. Good to get the cobwebs out. Thanks for listening, everyone. As always, you can download on uh, SoundCloud or iTunes. Do subscribe on iTunes. You'll get the episode straight away. NRL underscore SC underscore All Stars on Twitter. Please uh, give us a follow on there. Please share us around when we do release the episodes. It helps to get the extra listeners in. We've had some good new listeners coming aboard the last couple of weeks, which has been great. Aside from that, good luck with your trades and your captaincy choices. Can't wait to chat some more footy again next week.